0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ Let's look at two different places today we begin you know you go Sunday from Sunday last Sunday it was just normal here, and then you show up and there's Christmas everywhere and we 're singing Christmas carols and Christmas songs I mean it 's just like a transformation uh, overnight, uh, literally uh, here in the sanctuary but um, these next few weeks, as you know, this is going to be our time of Christmas, uh, focusing on the birth of Christ. So we will be looking at, these next few Sundays, the Christmas story in our Bibles. We need to understand why. The big question is, not so much why, but I think this month we really want to look on the location of Bethlehem. Is because there was, none, nothing that the Lord does is by accident. Uh, it's just... Uh, location matters. And I am absolutely convinced, and what this message is going to be about, where it's going to land, it is no accident that God has placed you. You You think about it, there's 8 billion people on earth. Is it an accident that you live in Lexington, Kentucky? Is it an accident that you're an American? I mean, God, I believe, has a great purpose and plan for everything that occurs. And many of those purposes actually include the location of where you live, where you work, uh, the neighbors around you, the people you come in contact with, because God's plan is actually to see people saved. So he puts us in contact with people who need the Lord, and Bethlehem played a key role in that. So this message is going to be giving you a story about the background of Bethlehem, and the meaning behind it, and not only that, why Jesus went to Bethlehem. Now, you think about hometowns. You know, let me use Esther here as an example. Esther was born in Dongguang, China. That is what she would call her birthplace. So, my birthplace would be Birmingham, Alabama. Yet, my hometown is different. Your hometown and birthplace are not always the same place. Your birthplace is where you were born. Some of you were born in a home, like literally. So some of you truly, your birthplace, if you were born in the home you were actually uh, raised in, you truly uh, have a hometown and a birthplace. But I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was, uh, my, that would be my birthplace, but I was raised, my hometown is a suburb of Birmingham called Vestavia Hills, Alabama. Esther was born in Dongguang, China, Yet her uh, hometown is Lexington, Kentucky, where she grew up. So Jesus, what we're about to see here, Jesus was born in a little town, truly a little town, six miles south of Jerusalem, a little suburb called Bethlehem. And we're going to look about, I'll give you the entire history today on Bethlehem and why it's so important. Yet he was raised His hometown was not Bethlehem because he didn't grow up in Bethlehem. He was born there, but he grew up in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. It's in a northern area. What's powerful about Jesus, what's really interesting, never once is it recorded in our Bibles that Jesus ever went back to Bethlehem. He was born there. He probably lived there about a year and a half, no more than two years. We know he had to leave before he was two. Because that was when sadly, all the, uh, Herod threw into a rage to want to kill all the baby boys, two years old and younger, so that would have been Jesus' uh, age group. So we, he left Bethlehem before he was two, and he fled to Egypt. and then he went, left Egypt, an angel was guiding Joseph. Joseph was leading his family, he was the head of the household. He was guiding his young little family. then they left. Egypt and went up to Nazareth and that's where he spent most of his life 30 years of his life the ma- major part of that before he began his ministry when he was 30 years old so he lived in Nazareth probably about 27 28 years there before he began his tour three years of ministry but we talk about Bethlehem all the time because that is the community that is the hometown that the Lord chose to send his son to be born in so for many of us our birthplace, where we were born in, a lot of us don't don't, don't go back there. We uh, uh, you know we might never go back there. You uh, might not have any connection whatsoever to the actual place you were born. And for some of us, it's just the opposite. Literally, the hospital down the road here, St. Joe's. You were born there, and you live across the street or at a mile away from it. It's just you haven't gone very far at all. It's just. Your birthplace and your hometown are absolutely connected between the two. But that was not the case for Jesus whatsoever. Never once do we see in the Bibles that he went back to Bethlehem. And I think that's significant for us because he realized the Lord did something there at Bethlehem. There was a great purpose for him to be born at Bethlehem. It fulfilled all sorts of scripture and who he was in the lineage of David. But then he realized he had a greater mission than just ministering to the people of Bethlehem. Bethlehem's important, but as Tim prayed during his prayer, I don't know if y'all picked up on it, when he was praying the offertory prayer, he talked about how ultimately Christmas is actually about a greater mission of seeing people saved. And that's beginning here in Lexington. There are people all around us who this Christmas season will completely miss it. They are absolutely consumed with what we would call gift giving and presents and parties and holiday events and just uh, decorations and Christmas lights and cooking and eating, whatever else it entails. But that is not what Christmas is about. It is truly about this little place in Bethlehem where the Savior was born. And that's what we're about to see. So we're going to go through our Bibles here. And we're going to see the significance of Bethlehem all through the Scriptures. So we're going to start where Bethlehem is first mentioned in our Bibles, and that's in the book of Genesis. Two places we're going to be here, Genesis chapter 35 and Luke chapter 2. While you're turning there, uh, Tim led us in a song called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. That is a very significant song, and I want to tell you why. Uh, That song... Uh, it, it, it's about 150 or so years old, and the, uh, the songwriter of this, you know, back in the old days, be, before you had telephones and email and text message and social media, if you wanted to communicate with someone, you had to like write a letter, you had to write a note, I mean, it was just handwritten everything, you read a newspaper, it was just a different day of communication, it was all about the written word, and you pass along uh, stuff. So a lot of times, if you want to talk about your feelings or communicate something, you might even write a song or a hymn. Well, the, little, the, little so- the song we just sang there, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the author of that song, his name, he actually was a professor at Harvard University. You wouldn't really think about that. 150 years ago, his name was uh, Philip Brooks. And what happened was he was a a pastor, and he taught Sunday school. So uh, I bet they were short on Sunday school teachers at their church, so they just said, we need a teacher. So they grabbed their pastor, and he found himself teaching Sunday school and preaching on Sundays, this gentleman. He was also a professor at the college there at Harvard. And he was doing a lesson. Listen to this. He was teaching a lesson on Bethlehem in Sunday school. So he wrote that hymn. He wrote the hymn to teach his Sunday school class about the, about the little town of Bethlehem. You say, well, how did he know about it? He went on a trip. You know, This was 150 years ago. So he went on a boat trip over to Israel and toured Bethlehem and went and saw the Holy Land. Came, rode his boat back to America and then shared in his Sunday school class about that. He wrote, wrote a little hymn saying, here's what I saw. Well, that song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, the history of it, it did not become famous until three years later. It's one of those things you write a hymn, you stick it in your Bible, and you forget about it. It's like Ed Van Hoos's Bible I preached out of two days ago here, It's just packed with stuff. And then probably five years from now, Darlene will go through and go, wow, I had no idea he wrote this. That was very similar to what happened. And then they published, somebody published that song, and now it's a staple Christmas song, Christmas carol hymn that we sing all the town. Oh, the little town of Bethlehem. But it just shows you, someone wrote a song uh, to teach a Sunday school class about the community of Bethlehem. And, it, uh, and now it's one of our most cherished of all songs. <coughs> Bethlehem actually first shows up in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 35. And everything about this little town is significant. Nothing we see here is by accident. This is Why I believe in our life that I am absolutely convinced that every little detail of our life down to who we see, who we work with, our friends at school, who we sit next to in college class is designed by God with a greater purpose for us actually witnessing about Jesus. Uh, That that Every conversation should lead to Him if, if possible, if you're able to do that. Um, There is someone named Jacob in the Bible. Jacob uh, had a a couple of wives named Leah and Rachel. And sadly, he showed favoritism. That was one of his struggles. Favoritism is a sin, the Bible teaches us. And favoritism causes problems in families. In fact, in many ways, favoritism the time of Christmas is actually revealed in some families, and it's wrong. Well, Jacob, one of his problems, this man who struggled with, remember who is Jacob in our Bible? His father was Isaac. And Isaac's father was Abraham. So Jacob's grandfather was Abraham. So uh, Jacob is also the one who wrestles with God, and God renames him Israel. And he had 12 sons. That's where we received the 12 tribes of Israel. But he had a, he had a wife named Rachel. And he, uh, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And Rachel had two boys. One was named Joseph, and one was named, the youngest was named Benjamin. Those were her two, her two children, or her two boys that she had, uh, 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 two of the ten. And it says here, and we're going to pick up here about uh, Rachel, because this is where we learn about Bethlehem. We're in Genesis chapter 35, verse four, or verse 16. This is about when Rachel passes away. She's buried in Bethlehem today. They set out from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, that's what Ephrath is, Rachel began to give birth, and her labor was difficult. During her difficult labor, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid, for you have another son. With her last breath, for she was dying. She died during childbirth. She named him, this little boy. It's a blessing to have a boy back in Bible times. Ben Oni. And that, there's a footnote on your Bible, and that means my sorrow. But he gets renamed. His father didn't want him to stay named my sorrow because Rachel, his wife that he loved, is dying as he, she's saying her last. Ben Oni. But his father called him Benjamin. And Benjamin means son of the right hand. So Rachel died. So Rachel's giving birth to her second son after Joseph. His name's Benjamin. Renamed renamed by the father Jacob. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. That is the first mention of Bethlehem in our Bibles. Jacob set up a marker on her grave. It is the marker at Rachel's grave still today. And it's still today. You can go tour her grave. Go see it. And then look at verse 21. This is the key verse that sets up Jesus right here. We're going to see it. Verse 21. So we're we're in Bethlehem. We've set up a marker for Rachel's grave. Israel, Israel is Jacob. That's who Israel is. Set out again and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Edar. Eder. So what is that? Tower of Eder there, it would be in Bethlehem. What happened during Bible times is shepherds, they would watch sheep in bethlehem this was just a field this was just an area and these shepherds there have this tower and they would have this tower that would watch over the hills Bethlehem's a real hilly area so you would build a tower up on the top and you would go up a tower now when we see a tower in bible times we are not talking about a skyscraper tower like the fifth third We're talking like 25, 30 feet. I mean, that's a Bible tower back in this time. It's not the Tower of Babel. So they're up maybe 30 feet and they would go up on this tower and look at their sheep. That way to make sure no one goes away. Because Bethlehem at Bible times, at this point in Genesis 35, this is just a place for sheep that you're raising your your lamb. That's it. So that Tower of Eder is going to come back And we're going to see what's about to become in this tower. Where it's going to go, we're going to see in our Bibles, is that tower, and I'll go ahead and share with you about it, in Micah 4.8 and in Micah 5.2. You don't need to turn there, I'm just going to tell you what it is. That tower is renamed Tower of the Flock, the Tower of Eder. And the Tower of the Flock was prophesied that that would be the birthplace of the Messiah, In Bethlehem, in Micah 5.2, was said the Messiah from the lineage of David would be born in Bethlehem. So why are we now at this point, a thousand years later, in the book of Micah, calling that Tower of Eder, then the Tower of the Flock? Well, what happened was when the temple was built in Jerusalem, they would sacrifice lambs and, and animals. Well, they would want uh, perfect unblemished lambs. And the, the, the sheep grazing area would have been, or was in, Bethlehem. So the animals that were used for sacrifice in the temple were actually raised in Bethlehem. And the tower of the flock, this little 30-40 foot tower, that would have been the area that they would you, keep the unblemished Lambs, so they would take, they were the more special lambs. The shepherds would be right there because the shepherds would stay in the tower and kind of look over their flo- look over the hill, make sure they could just sit there all day and count as sheep and make sure no one stole them and no animals would come eat them. And uh, at that tower, as location in Bethlehem, that was prophesied. That was the location at the tower where you would keep the perfect sheep, the unblemished ones, the ewe lambs. That would be at the sacrifice in the most holy place, the special sacrifice at the temple. Well, that was the location that was prophesied that the Messiah would be born at. That's that tower of Eder right there we see in Bethlehem. That's the, as Micah 4:8 tells us, the tower of the flock. They've called the tower of flock because the purpose just said there, look at the sheep. Do you see this location that God has chosen? is the the future sacrificial lamb was the one who's going to be born there, or nearby there, so he also would be the sacrifice. None of this is by accident. God had foreordained, completely planned the location for his son to be born right there. And what was also interesting about the uh, sacrificial lambs that were born at the tower the ones that were unblemished, that were perfect, they would wrap them in swaddling cloths. So what would occur is when the angels appeared to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus and said, go to Bethlehem, because remember, Bethlehem was a... In fact, I have a little picture of Bethlehem, what, likely what it looked like. This is what Bethlehem probably looked like. It was a tiny village that was hilly, and you would just, all those hills around there, you would have sheep just grazing, lambs all over the place. And what would occur is uh, the, with the shepherds that would have the unblemished lambs, they would wrap them up because that's how they would be carried into the uh, temple for their sacrifice. So when the angels appeared to the uh, shepherds when Jesus was born, It says on the fields outside Bethlehem and said, you go into Bethlehem for you will see a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. They would know, those shepherds would know, well where would you go to see someone wrapped in swaddling cloth? Oh, that would be at the tower. That's where they wrapped. That's how they were able to find because Then the shepherds on the fields in the middle of the night at Jesus' birth, they would know exactly where to go. When the angel said, you just go into town, just go where they wrap the babies in swaddling cloth, and you're going to see a brand new baby born who is born tonight, and he's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloth, and that there is going to be the Messiah. That's the one you've been longing for as the book of Micah in the Old Testament has prophesied. Let me tell you something else about Bethlehem. Bethlehem, you say... uh, it's also the place of David's birth. Jesus came from the lineage of David. And in Bible times, you, trace, um, you would trace a lineage through the mother. So Mary, as well as Joseph, were both from the line of David. But it was very important that Mary was from the line of David. Both Matthew's account and Luke's account both trace um, Mary and Joseph's lineage. But Mary was the biological mother of Jesus. So the the Davidic line, the kingly line, the Messiah line would come through Mary. Well, how did David, how did the location of David come about? This is what's amazing in the Bible. There's a little Old Testament book of Ruth. And that is only like four chapters long. But it is so significant, Ruth, and the, uh, the messiah line of what God is doing—that is not in the Bible whatsoever by accident. In the significance of Ruth, let me explain about Ruth, and this is how God even used an untimely death of Ruth's husband. Ruth was a Moabite; she was not Jewish. Her husband died while she was young. She was a widow. And she had great sorrow, the Bible says, about uh, Ruth. Well, her mother, mother mother-in-law, was Naomi. And Naomi knew they had some uh, distant kinsmen that lived around Bethlehem. And one of the men was named Boaz. And back in Bible times, if you were a young widow, you would want some of your family to maybe take you in or marry you and be a housewife, just be an additional wife, something like that, you just be incorporated into the family because they did not have social security, they didn't have 401Ks, you didn't have these social support systems with the government that you have today. If You had a young widow, and she had no family. She was in trouble. I mean, you just, she needed to latch on to someone to receive some care. That's why in the New Testament... That's so much that the role of the deacons and that there's such a ministry in our New Testament towards two different people groups: widows and orphans. That's why churches and Christians are commanded to do widow care and orphan care. Because in Bible times, they did not have that care. There was very little care for that. So there was a, a in very intentional ministry to children who have lost their parents and women who had lost their husbands. So what happened? Ruth, Ruth is this young widow, and she goes and introduces herself to this man named Boaz, and she's probably flirting with the man. I mean, she's realizing I need to present myself very attractive and lovely to somebody because I realize I need a man. And you know, y'all kind of get the story there. So she um, met Boaz, and Boaz married her he found out they did some genealogy research and actually he was not next in line. Boaz was Jewish, but there was someone else and they went and first found this other man. The other man wasn't interested in marrying and taking in Ruth. He didn't want to take care of her. So Boaz gladly married Ruth. So Boaz was a wealthy man and Boaz had a lot of land. Do you know where his land was? It was in Bethlehem. Boaz, was he farmed land and had shepherd land Right there at Bethlehem. Boaz and Ruth are now married. And now Ruth moves to Bethlehem. This is how David came about. This is how David ended up being born in Bethlehem. It was all through this. Boaz then has, has a son, Boaz and Ruth. Their son, Ruth gives birth to a baby boy. And his name is Obed. And then Obed has a son. And Obed gives birth to Jesse. And Jesse has seven sons. And the youngest is David. David was born in Bethlehem. Not by accident. But by how God took Ruth and Boaz and just so happened that was Boaz's land right there. Ruth and Boaz were the great grandparents of King David. And that's how David ended up being in that family. And that's how the location came about. Do you see how the Lord orchestrated that? So when we look at Jesus, we look at how the first thing that happens is the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem actually is there to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And we see that prophecy all the way back to Genesis chapter 35 with the Tower of Eder. This this, this tower to watch flocks. The shepherd tower. Because that was the location right there in Bethlehem that Jesus was going to be born in. We see how Micah, then the prophet, comes about and starts telling everybody, hey, this is where he's going to be born. The Messiah is coming and he will be born in Bethlehem at the tower of the flock where the shepherds would look up and watch their sheep on the hills. Do you know even when the wise men showed up, to Herod, and they saw the Christmas star. And by the way, the Christmas star, the greatest star of all, was over Bethlehem. They were guided from the east, the Bible says. They came to Bethlehem, and they show up. At, they went to go see Herod's palace because they were wealthy men from far away. They were astrologers. And Herod finds out that there has been a king born, which he was a, this is Herod the Great, who was ruthless. He becomes a very jealous man. If there's a king born in his kingdom, we all know what that means. It's time for him to die, that king. So he's going to put to death the king. So what does he do? When he wants to find out if this is true, he asks his Bible scholars, the wise men of his time, his uh, religious leaders, says, tell me in the Bible where the Messiah is supposed to be born. They quoted the book of Micah. They all knew he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But none of them took the time to walk six miles down the road to even go see themselves. They pulled out their Bible and said, what do you know? He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So then the wise men, they're the only ones that went to Bethlehem. And you say, why wouldn't King Herod and the religious leaders and King Herod's helpers go? Because Bethlehem's a dinky little village. This would be like us. I mean, I admit I don't want to say Midway's dinky. It's like you're right here in Lexington and you say, well, where's the Messiah being? Where well, the Bible says he's born in Midway. And, you know, Midway's a daytime t- place. Once you go to Midway, you've been there, you've been at the two restaurants, you've seen the train track, you don't really have to go again. So if you're the king here in Lexington and you're the mayor and they're saying, we need to go to Midway, we're, we're hearing a great report saying, Yeah, well, I've been to Midway, I went there 30 years ago, nothing's really changed, it won't change over there. That's kind of what this is like. I don't need to make a trip down the road to that that little town. You, you go down there and report to me what you find. Just let me know back, wise man, what's going on in Midway. That's kind of what they're, they're seeing right here. What's a miracle about that is they knew the religious leaders, those that attended Herod, were fully aware that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, yet none of them made the journey, were willing to go and see if it was true. That's like us talking about Christmas and hearing all about it, but no one actually comes to worship the baby born in the manger. You talk about Jesus. You see pictures of Him all around. You see Him on social media. You say Jesus is the reason for the season, but you don't take the time yourself to actually come and worship the one born below the Tower of Eder there in Bethlehem with the flocks. Wrapped in swaddling cloth. So what happens here is Jesus' birth fulfills Old Testament prophecy. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, it also is identifying with King David. King David was Israel's greatest king. And Jesus came from that lineage. We see how He was not just anyone born. God had set Him up. They were anticipating. That's why... When we see the birth of Jesus, we see He is fulfilling all this prophecy. His parents are from the lineage of David. He must be the one. And He is the one. This isn't just some random man born wherever. Every detail of Jesus' birth, down to Him being wrapped in swaddling cloth, down to the location, down from His heritage of His bloodline. All is fulfillment of what God is doing. And this reminds us, there's a purpose in our life. God brought you here for a purpose. Christmas is all about Jesus. It is a greater purpose. But where I'm going with this message, remember, during the month of December, we absolutely want to talk about Jesus' birth. We absolutely want to remember what Jesus did in Bethlehem. But you don't want to stay in Bethlehem. Because Jesus didn't go back to Bethlehem. Yes, it was great that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yes, that was a fulfillment of prophecy. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. But Jesus just wasn't there to look at sheep. His greater purpose was to be the Lamb of God, to give His life for all of humanity. What also is interesting about Bethlehem, the third thing we see here, and we're about to actually finally read the second scripture, which, by the way, you go ahead and turn there. It's Luke chapter 2. We'll read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The word Bethlehem, do you all know what it actually means? House of bread. That's what the word Bethlehem means. Jesus made a statement. In John 6.35, He said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. That's what Christ said. That is coming from someone who's born in a town called House of Bread. It was called House of Bread because this was just a, an agricultural uh, livestock community. They were growing stuff in Bethlehem. This is on the outskirts of Jerusalem. So you grew your food, you raised your cattle, you raised your sheep out yonder. That's where Jesus was born. wasn't born in the city He was born in the country. Any of you born in the country? You can identify with Jesus because he was right there on the outskirts of town. Turn in your Bible now. Last scripture we're going to read this morning here. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This is how it came to be. This is how God used this little family. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth is where they lived at. But because it was time to take a census, and they were from the house of David they would have to travel back to David's hometown. So they had some ancestors uh, and some family members who would have lived in Bethlehem because that would have been their hometown. That would be like us once a year, when it's time to pay our taxes, you have to go back to your birthplace, where you were born at, and you paid your taxes. So that's how God used a census. And this was uh, how the Lord was able to bring this young family back to Bethlehem. He did it by taxes, of all things, for the census to get his child, his son, Jesus, born in this community. Because you see Mary and Joseph, when the angel appeared to Mary, to say, Mary, God has found great favor with you. You were were chosen. You were holy. You were blessed. That was in Nazareth. The Christmas story didn't actually begin. The angel first appeared to Mary and Joseph. That was up in Nazareth in northern Israel and Galilee. Bethlehem hasn't come into play at this point. That's just the location. So I'm sure even Mary and Joseph, they would be fully aware that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. But they didn't live in Bethlehem. They were somewhere else. So we're going to read these seven verses here. It says, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 in, the day, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. So Caesar Augustus lived in Rome, Italy, and he wanted to make sure that his people in all the Roman territory they collected taxes. And he wants to know, most important, how many people there are in his empire. You've you got to count everybody. So he can make sure every single family, just check them off, that they're paying their fine and their taxes to Rome. Because Rome at this time, 2,000 years ago, they made, uh, Israel was a country, but they were an occupied, they had occupied territory by Rome. Rome was over them. But Rome just let Israel do whatever they wanted to do. They just couldn't kill people. But they could do what, uh, their religious things. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. He was the local governor. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. You know why the Bible puts that in there? Because historically, you can look back and actually see that this event actually occurred. There was a registration that occurred. That was a census. There was a man named Quirinius who was a governor who was based out of Syria, but He had that whole Judean countryside as his area that he was responsible for. And you say, what are they responsible for? They're really responsible making sure there was no revolt against Rome and people paid money. That's all they wanted. People don't need to go wild start killing one another, and we just need to keep the money flowing and send it to Rome so Caesar can have a lot of money. That's that's what this is all about. You see how the Lord is using all this. He's using stuff like an ungodly empire, like the Roman Empire. That is lost. These people do not worship the Lord. Caesar Augustus here, he is not saved. He did not, he did not believe in the God of the Old Testament. These are pagan people. Quirinius, this governor, he's just being used by the Lord to make sure every little person going to their hometown to sign up so they can pay their taxes. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Bethlehem is called the city of David. Why? Because that is where David was born. Why was David born there? Because Boaz married Ruth. And that was Boaz's land. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So they are engaged. And they're traveling down. She's expecting a baby. They're riding a donkey down from from Nazareth up north. Is about a 90 mile journey. We probably took about three or four days. You cover about 25, 30 miles a day riding on your donkey. While they were there, I imagine baby Jesus was probably born early. Or Mary and Joseph realized this is how the Lord used this to fulfill prophecy. Because they would not have naturally traveled 90 miles, this young couple. They're probably 16, 17, 18 years old. This young couple traveling south to register. Now, they probably have some other family members with them. They're probably not by themselves. All the little pictures we show, they're just by themselves with their little donkey, and she's riding, uh, she's expecting a baby. But most likely, some other family members, because they were from the lineage of David. They all had to go, so they're probably a a small little caravan headed, headed south. While they were there, the time came to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. Do you know why it says firstborn son? Because Jesus also had other brothers and sisters. This was her firstborn son. Mary had not had sexual relations at this point. She was a virgin. And it says she wrapped him tightly in cloth. That was right there. What would have happened? What you would have seen with the animals wrapped up uh, in the cloth, tightly in cloth, and lied in, in or, or I'm sorry, she wiped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. It was packed in Bethlehem because they, a lot of people had come in town for the census to register, so all the hotel rooms were taken, and plus this was a very poor family, so they were born literally at the tower of Eder, where they were watching all the flocks with the shepherds. I mean, you've got to go somewhere to have a baby, so just go with the sheep. And this right there in Bethlehem, in the middle of nowhere, this small little town, a little town of Bethlehem, God chose And him being wrapped tightly in a cloth was just like how they would wrap the lambs that were headed up the road to be sacrificed at the temple. God used every little detail in our Bible to pick Bethlehem as the place for His Son to be born. Jesus is born there. Uh, Wise men come and worship there. The first worship service for our Savior is right there in Bethlehem. Uh, the, uh, uh, The first guests He receives are shepherds. They are right there worshiping. Jesus even calls Himself the Good Shepherd. He's born in a shepherd's town. He's in the house of, house of bread. He is the bread of life. We see all of this was for us ultimately see He is the Messiah. And I think the purpose for this us, applying for us today is just like in our lives, we are convinced that the home that God put us in, the family that we have, our friends, our people at school, our grandchildren, we need to realize our purpose is to point them to Jesus. All of this significant of the location, the fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus' lineage, it's all the point says, this is my Son, the Messiah. And just like for us, we do the absolute same of letting people know that Jesus is the way to be saved. He is the bread of life. So this Christmas season... You look around you. We're going through our month. We're three weeks away or so from Christmas. And you'll have lots of, see a lot of maybe people that you don't normally see throughout the year. You use that as your opportunity to tell them about the one who was born in Bethlehem. But remember, Jesus, he never went back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was great, but we don't stay in Bethlehem. We go to the cross. That's where Jesus was going. We go to the empty tomb. We go to Jesus's death, in His resurrection. Because that is where we receive new life. This morning, if you have never trusted in the baby that was born in Bethlehem, you need to get saved. We close our services with an invitation. I stand down front, and this is your opportunity, if you want to get saved, if you've never received the One who calls Himself the Bread of Life, the Messiah, we give our lives to Jesus. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation. I stand down front along with our deacons. And you. this church is our time to respond. We respond to Jesus. You come take my hand. You join our church. You can get saved. You can get baptized. We have baptism next month here at our church. We're going to sing our songbook. I've Decided to Follow Jesus, hymn number 434.